sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. NBA Finals game number four, game day on a Friday. Some of the best words you can say to start off a new edition of the morning after. Live right here on Sports Grid in Sirius XM Channel 159. The home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM all across the Sports Grid Network as well. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us on this Friday all week long right here on the Spiz Grizz. Plenty to get to on today's program, including game number four tonight in Boston. The Celtics, a 2-1 series lead in the NBA Finals. We'll go around the Major League Baseball diamond in Shohei Otani, the Angels Trust, and plenty more from MLB. Yesterday, NHL Stanley Cup Eastern Conference Finals not far away from us last night, an electric atmosphere inside Madison Square Garden. We'll do that all right here on a Friday on the morning after on Sports Grid. Let's begin by looking at the line for tonight's game number four between the Celtics and the Warriors. Steph Curry yesterday saying he expects to play and will play tonight in Boston inside TD Garden. Late in that fourth quarter in game number three on Wednesday, a scramble to the floor, a collision with Al Horford was limping on that left leg, but expects to play tonight. The line, four points in favor of the Boston Celtics, who were a three and a half point home favorite in game number three, easily covering that number, winning by 16 points. Again, we have seen this trend throughout the postseason now. The Celtics have played 13 straight games with a team that one said basketball game has also covered the number. It's a similar prospect for Golden State. Nine straight for the Dubs, where the team that has won has covered. So as you look at that point spread, if you think Boston takes a 3-1 series lead. Do not feel any hesitation in laying the four points at home with the Seas. But if you think the Warriors can even it up, look at that money line price on Golden State, hovering around plus 130, plus 134 over the last 12 hours or so. And this is a big, big game. Golden State trying to even up the series at two games all before we head back to San Francisco for game number five on Monday night. If the Warriors can do that, They will not be a plus 185 series underdog heading back to the Bay, but that's the price and where they stand now. Big Boston favorites are the Celtics. Minus 230 as the series outright favorite. Both teams were minus 110 entering game three. That's how important Wednesday night was inside TD Garden. So the Celtics, a minus 230 series outright favorite to win their 18th Larry O'Brien trophy in franchise history, plus 185 for the Warriors on that series underdog price. And tonight, it's the Celtics, a four-point home favorite with a total dropping slightly down by a hook now to an over-under of 214. Plenty more to come in a full-blown preview of game number four inside TD Garden tonight, but it's also time to talk some Major League Baseball. When all else seems lost, when you've lost 14 straight baseball games, you turn to one man, a man that can do it all, both pitch and hit, and that is Shohei Otani for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. The Angels finally, desperately, 
ending a 14-game losing skid yesterday thanks to Shohei Otani and some other timely hitting. The Angels beating the Red Sox 5-2 yesterday in Anaheim. Once again, ending that 14-game losing skid. Hey, welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience here the opening hour of the morning after. Live on a Friday, a feel-good Friday. As our producer John Shames would say, a fantastic Friday. Right here all across the grid. Sirius XM Channel 159. All of our terrestrial radio affiliates now in the mix as well. I am Ben Stevens. So if it's not going to be Nickelback that works for you to end a long losing skid, it's got to be Shohei Otani. And that's what the Angels had yesterday. Snapping that 14-game losing streak again, beating the Red Sox 5-2. Boston was riding a seven-game win streak that also comes to a close, as they say in sports. Often, something has to give. Shohei also started the game yesterday, went seven innings on the mound, only gave up one earned run on four hits, striking out six Boston batters, and... He also helped his cause. A two-run blast for Shohei Otani in the bottom of the fifth inning that gave the Angels the lead for good. The 14-game skid is over. The Angels closing as a slight money line favorite. I'm on minus 112 as that price yesterday. It was only their second game in the last 10. The Halos have been booked as a favorite. But the skid is done. The celebration last night in Anaheim. A lot of that courtesy of Shohei Otani. Now, the Angels are still... Three games below 500, 28 and 31. They entered this 14 game losing skid, 27 and 17 straight up. They were 24 and 13 less than a month ago in that middle portion of May. And now they find themselves nine games back in the American League West standings, a division that currently is dominated by the Houston Astros, as you will see by that minus 700 price. A $7 favorite now, just about two months into a Major League Baseball season. Minus 700 is astronomical for the Astros. No pun intended. I actually just came up with that. Good stuff, Ben. All right, that's how we roll on a Friday. Houston Astros, a minus 700 divisional favorite in the AL West. The Astros off yesterday, but you see that price. The next best price of any team to win any division in Major League Baseball is the Mets in the NL East at minus 340. The Astros are greater than three and a half dollars, better than that number, which is also very large. The best odds to win any division in all of Major League Baseball. We continue our diamond detail going around the bigs up next here on the morning app. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Around the Major League Baseball diamond, we go right here on a Friday in the opening hour of the morning after live on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. All across the Sports Grid network, I am Ben Stevens. So we just recapped the Boston Red Sox and the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim with the Halos finally ending a 14-game losing skid. But the American League East is also getting more competitive. Not only did it snap the skid for the Angels, it also snapped a winning streak for the Boston Red Sox, who had won seven consecutive games entering yesterday against Shohei Otani 
and the Angels. So four teams now in the AL East, with the exception of the Baltimore Orioles, all a couple games above 500 or better, but none better than the New York Yankees. 41 and 16 straight up this year, the best record in all of Major League Baseball, and the Yanks still hold a seven-game lead in the AL East standings, thus a minus 280 favorite price to win this division. And despite the fact that Garrett Cole was on the bump yesterday in Minneapolis, gave up a home run to the first three batters that he faced consecutively, one, two, and three, gave up a career-worst five home runs in a single start, and the Yankees were down big, 7-1 to one at one point. They storm all the way back to beat the Twins, 10-7. to seven. Two home runs from Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo, RBI. Tom Vecchio gave you that prop yesterday at plus 130 right here on the morning after. So the Yankees keep winning baseball games, 10-7, to seven, and they take two of three against the Minnesota Twins. But they are also getting some pressure there in the American League East standings. A seven-game lead over the Tampa Bay Rays. The Rays now have won three straight after a sweep of the St. Louis Cardinals. And Shane McClanahan is continuing to deal this year for Tampa Bay. The lefty now, the American League Cy Young favorite, as we'll get to in just a second. But eight innings of shutout baseball yesterday against the Redbirds struck out nine Cardinal batters for his fifth straight win. So this year, Shane McClanahan is 7-2 with a 1-8-7 ERA. He has had at least seven strikeouts in six straight starts, 51 in total in those last six starts. That's an average of eight and a half strikeouts per game. He has the second highest K per nine rate in all of the bigs, only trailing Dylan Cease of the Chicago White Sox. So as I mentioned, we have a new favorite now to win the American League Cy Young, and it is... Shane McClanahan of the Tampa Bay Rays. Plus 360 is that number on McClanahan right now. 50 cents ahead of Justin Verlander at plus 410, who was the favorite up until a couple of days ago. A shout out to our boss here, El Jefe, Greg Sussman, who two and a half weeks ago told me after the show, just so you know, I bet Shane McClanahan 10 to 1 on FanDuel to win the American League Cy Young. And I was like, why Shane McClanahan? Well, Greg, great foresight. Now he is the favorite at plus 360 for the Tampa Bay Rays. Speaking of those White Sox and Dylan Cease, he was on the bump yesterday against the Los Angeles Dodgers in the finale of their series on the south side of Chicago. The Dodgers win 11-9. They take the last two games of that series for a series victory. But the story of this game is what the heck is Tony La Russa thinking? In a two-run ball game, in the sixth inning, Freddie Freeman, after hitting an RBI single, was on base. The pitcher on the bump against Trey Turner of Los Angeles has a 1-2 count against Trey Turner, and Tony La Russa decides to intentionally walk Trey Turner to get to Max Muncy. If you were to take the context out of it, Trey Turner, who's batting better than 300 this year, Max Muncy in his first game after missing 11 straight due to elbow inflammation and has struggled greatly this year, just a 159 batting average entering the game yesterday. It makes sense. Okay, you intentionally walk one of the best hitters in baseball to face a guy that's struggling with a lefty-on-lefty matchup. But the context is important. It was Bennett Sousa, I believe, on the bump for the White Sox. He had a 1-2 count against Trey Turner. A 1-2 count, two strikes against the batter. And Tony La Russa decides to issue an intentional walk, which, 
as Max Muncy said after the game, really pissed him off. It pissed him off so much he had a three-run blast in that subsequent at-bat to open up the game, a 10-5 lead for the Dodgers at that time, resulting in an 11-9 victory. Max Muncy, a huge return yesterday for Los Angeles, that three-run blast to open things up in the sixth part of a five-RBI game, again, after missing 11 straight. So the Dodgers, always booked as a favorite, legitimately always, except for once this year in a Major League Baseball game, but now greater than $3.00 in the National League West. Minus 310, that price on LA. It was closer to minus 220, minus 230 just earlier this week. They have a two-game lead, does Los Angeles, over San Diego, and the Padres are only two games back because they've won five of their last six. They start a weekend series against the Colorado Rockies, a divisional duel, the same for Los Angeles. The Dodgers have the San Francisco Giants this weekend as well the Giants struggling just a little bit they lose their midweek series against the Rockies they have lost six of their last eight now only four games above 500 and as you saw there 17 to 1 now to win the National League West so that's where things stand in the NL West the NL East although the Mets still have a substantial cushion in that division and are a minus 340 favorite even a better price than the Dodgers at minus 310 in that National League West. The competition's starting to pick it up just a little bit in that NL East. The Atlanta Braves now have won eight straight games, beating the Buccos yesterday 3-1. to one. Max Fried pretty good on the bump, despite saying afterward he didn't have his best stuff. So the Braves beat the Pirates yesterday by a final score of 3-1. to one. And again, Atlanta has won eight straight games. The Philadelphia Phillies have also won seven straight games the Phils yesterday thanks to a couple of home runs from their lineup including one from Bryce Harper the Phillies able to knock off the Milwaukee Brewers and the Brew Crew now have lost six straight so a bunch of streaks going on all across Major League Baseball but as we focus on the NL East here a little bit more competition for the Mets who dropped the final two games of their series against the Padres. New York stays out on this West Coast trip to begin the month of June. They get the Angels this weekend in Anaheim. So the Mets have lost two straight games, but still a six and a half game lead in that National League East division. Six and a half games over the Braves who have won eight straight, nine game advantage over the Phillies who have won seven straight. And again, the Mets are still a hefty favorite to win this division right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Minus 340, that price on New York. It's the best odds to win any division in the National League. The second best odds of the bigs, only behind the Astros, who are minus 700 to win the AL West. But that price on the Braves getting a little bit better as well. Plus 350 now. It was 5-1 to one just about four or five days ago on the FanDuel Sportsbook. And the Phillies, 16-1 to one as well. The Marlins, meanwhile, have also won three straight games. The Marlins have two of the best pitchers in the National League, in Sandy Alcantara, who's now the favorite to win the NL Cy Young, and Pablo Lopez, who was on the bump today for the Miami Marlins against the Houston Astros. So making some ground here in what we expect to be an incredibly competitive division. When the year got underway, before we got started this year in Major League Baseball back in that first week of April, we expected both the American League East and the National League East to probably be our two most competitive divisions across the bigs. 
When things got rolling here, that wasn't necessarily the case. The Yankees jump out to a great start, as did the Mets. The two best teams in baseball right now, based on a win percentage, both play in New York. The Mets up in Queens, the Yankees up in the Bronx. But it was the rest of their divisions that were struggling a little bit. The Rays off to a slow start. The Blue Jays leaving a lot to be desired. The Red Sox were not great. Now all four of those teams, including the Pinstripes, above 500. It's the only division in the American League where two or more teams are above 500 or better this year. And now the NL East, after the Braves struggled early, the Phillies were struggling early, firing their manager in Joe Girardi, starting to make a little bit ground up on the New York Mets. And that was the concern without Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom in that starting staff. All right, NBA Finals, game number four and game three, looking back up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. For the first time in this NBA championship series, we only had one off day in between games game number three on wednesday game four tonight inside td garden with the boston celtics carrying a 2-1 series lead in the nba finals over the golden state warriors a breakdown of every angle and everything you need to know for game four tonight while also looking back on game number three welcome to a friday on the morning after on sports grid and sirius xm channel 159 i am ben stevens and our very own John Shames, not only our producer here on the morning after, but the host of Betting Above the Rim on the weekends here on the grid. One of the best basketball minds we know, our very own John Shames, was live inside TD Garden for game number three, taking in the festivities of an NBA final. Shamesy guy, how was the atmosphere in Beantown on Wednesday? Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Ben, you can hear it in my voice. I'll take greatest atmosphere and greatest moment of my life for minus 5,000, please. What an wow. amazing night. My mom, me, we went there. We did a day trip in Boston, got some great dinner. Thanks to my guy, George Balecci, a fantastic recommendation, or George Balenciaga, as we so fondly call him on this show, Ben. But, man, what a killer night and obviously capped off with a win. That's what we needed. The trip was well worth it. There were a lot of Celtics fans on Wednesday night that were saying some things to Draymond Green. A lot of F-bombs that we caught even across the telecast. That's what we love in the NBA Finals. If it's respectful to a way, that heckling, that environment, that is what we all get geeked up for. And when Draymond Green fouled out of the game after playing 35 minutes and only recording <laughs> two points, a lot of the fans inside TD Garden had something to say, including our very own John Shane. Take a listen. best things truly i've ever seen i didn't know listen i work with shames every single day we are here together every single day i didn't know his voice could get like that the bye <laughs> bye is one of the best things i had ever heard in my life shout out to jesse metzger 
for bleeding out, bleeping out the obscenities there as well. John, that was absolutely sensational. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Thank you, of course. Yeah, there was many highlights, and some of them NSFW, I believe, is the yes. abbreviation there. But, yeah, I mean, Ben, I had to, I had to get involved, man. The whole crowd, I, I was telling this to Bocce and to our guy JJ here, who's also a Celtics fan, but that crowd was so unified. Everyone in the arena was chanting the, you know, expletive Draymond, F expletive you yeah. Draymond chants. It was, you know, permeating the air in, in that Boston Garden there, so... Ben, it was a wild crowd experience. I'm happy I got to be a very small part of it. I obviously tried to carry my voice, as we could see in that video there. I mean, listen, it's a good thing Clay Thompson probably not watching the morning after on this Friday. He would tell John <laughs> Shames, stay classy, yeah. Shames. Even Shames' sweet yeah. mother, Deb, not a fan of Draymond Green wrapped up <laughs> in that environment oh. on Wednesday night in game number three. But Shames, we also bring you on for your basketball knowledge. And the Celtics now with a 2-1 series lead, as you saw them do in game number three on Wednesday night. 116-100, easily covering as a three-and-a-half-point favorite. So they cover as a favorite in game three. They're a favorite tonight in game number four in a hefty series favorite at minus 230 in that outright price. Because of all of that, Shames, the Celtics winning in six games back inside TD Garden is the most likely outcome on the FanDuel Sportsbook in the correct score prices at plus 195. That's what the odds are indicating. That's where this is trending. Shames, what do you believe? Well, Ben, I came on the show. Last time I was on here, I, I mentioned how I had placed my bet for the exact win order of the series, which would actually feature a Game 4 victory by Golden State tonight. After watching game three, I do think there is a path for the Warriors to win, but I'm feeling a little bit more strongly that this might be another chance for the Celtics to go up 3-1 here, Ben. Overall, you know, you said that the Celtics did easily cover in that fourth quarter, but it was a really tight game in that third quarter when the Warriors again come out swinging. And it's been the case every game this series, and somehow the Celtics never seem ready for it in the third quarter. You know it's inevitable. You know Steph is going to be trying to get his shots going there. So I think, you know, in this game, Ben, the Celtics, we saw their path to domination was really controlling the glass in the fourth quarter and getting involved in the paint and, you know, getting to the rim there. I think that's what they're going to need to do in game four here tonight. But the Warriors, if Steph is healthy, if the Warriors can, you know, get some good minutes out of their big men, let's say, and control that rebounding a little bit more. I mean, we're, we're looking at a spot where I think Golden State does have a chance to, to survive here again tonight. It has been a tale of two quarters throughout the first three games of this NBA Finals. The Warriors have dominated the third. They have an average margin of victory in just the third quarter of 14.3 points per game. They are scoring better than 35 points per game in that third quarter. But then something flips in the fourth where the Celtics have won all three of the fourth quarters so far and have a 13.3 margin of victory in the fourth. And some could argue, Shames, that if you close strong you're going to win those basketball games. Boston favored to win both quarters tonight in the third and in the fourth. Minus 130 on that third quarter money line, minus 124 on the fourth quarter money line, and a four-point favorite, Shames, for the spread for game number four tonight inside TD Garden. The total at 214 down slightly from where it stood yesterday at 214 and a half. Shames, what do those odds tell you for what we can expect in game number four tonight? Well, Ben, the total is actually the number that's really interesting to me here because 
as we've seen throughout the series and really throughout the NBA playoffs, right, I know Dave Sherapan has talked to us about how these odds makers don't really change the line when the factors stay the same, right, when teams mm-hmm. are not traveling, when you're playing in the same arena. But I think what we've seen from, from the actual results perspective is that the opposite is the case. And we've seen so much zigzag and one team gets blown out one game and then they come out and blow out their opponent the next game. So I think, yeah. you know, I'm actually expecting, Ben, a very different game script from game one or from game three here, game one in Boston, I should say. And I think that, uh, you know, as it look, as it pertains to that under, we saw, I think, in that fourth quarter, a lot of scoring there. And I'm actually looking at an under 214. I think it's going to have to be a defensive battle. Of course, we know Steph Curry a little bit banged up and a major part of that Golden State offense being able to explode like that. The under catches my eye. We went over that number last game. It was 216. Yeah. And I think in this one, it's going to be it's going to be slowed down. And that's that's a place I'm looking here. Depending on when you have gotten your totals, when you placed your bet for it, we have seen it drop as low on the line as 212 and get as high as 216. But the closing numbers, mostly between 213 and 214 and a half, and we're at 214 for tonight. It's a small sample size, but through three games right now, the first game and the third game going over, the Celtics winning both of those, scoring 116 in game three, 120 in game one. Game number two is the only total to go under so far. The Celtics only scoring 88. The Warriors winning that game. So maybe a better defensive effort from Golden State tonight leads us to an under and potentially a series tied at two games apiece. James, I think you brought up a great point. The adjustment that Golden State will need to make tonight And we saw a glaring weakness in that second half, especially in the fourth quarter, in terms of what they were doing in the paint, getting out-rebounded, out-physicaled down there as well. Kevon Looney, less than 20 minutes played in game number three in Boston just two nights ago. And of course, it was a Draymond dud. What can we expect from Draymond Green here? Maybe a bounce-back spot as the Warriors look to even this series. I don't even know if there is a bounce back spot here for Mm. Draymond because Ben, to me, like he's given it his all. It's not an effort thing, right? After game one, when he shot two for 12, he came out and he said, I'm not going to play this bad in the series again. He did play better in game two, but it's not like he was dominating the game out there. I just don't think he's a guy who, you know, his presence in the game is going to be felt in subtle ways. And I don't really see him being a guy who can take over at the stage of his career. If he was even ever that guy at any point, Ben. And of course, now we see this version of Clay Thompson. Yes, he was good last game, but not quite as good. I think Draymond, truly what they need from him is to be more of an offensive factor in creating shots. But that's really not what he can do these days. And, you know, I'm not... <laughs> I'm not taking any Draymond overs until he proves to me that he can do it on a consistent basis, Ben. That's not a trend that that you hop in front of to me. A guy who averaged triple singles during the regular season, I'm not backing him to go over on any of those props tonight. Four points in game one, nine points in game two. The only time he's gone over that points prop of seven and a half in this NBA Finals and just two on Wednesday night. He has 15 combined points and 15 personal fouls. He has fouled out of both games one and three of this NBA Finals. All right, let's flip it to Boston, Shames, where on Wednesday night, Jay- Jason, uh, blah, 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 excuse me, Jalen Brown, see the J and the J, Jalen Brown scored 27 points. Jason Tatum scored 26 points. Tonight, there's another match bet between the Jays. Shames, who do you think scores more in game number four for the Celtics tonight? It's interesting because, like, the way that they play, Ben, Jalen Brown is always the guy who gets it going early on in the game and then kind of slows down as you go on. Tatum is kind of the opposite. He starts slow and gets it cooking in that, in that second half and in the fourth quarter. And that's exactly what we saw, especially 
in the fourth quarter. He could not get a bucket for the first, you know, two and a half, three quarters of game three there. Getting into the paint, not getting foul calls, getting frustrated. But then something clicked in the fourth, and he just started chugging. And I think he's going to pick up right where he left off in this game tonight. I could see Jason Tatum hitting 30 for the first time in this series, Ben. Would not Mm. surprise me. I'll back JT in this one. Right now, Jason Tatum has flipped to minus money to win the NBA Finals MVP, an indication maybe that 30-piece that Shames is alluding to is coming at some point because he's only shooting 34% from the field. Bye, John. Bye. Thank you for being here on this segment. We appreciate it, my friend. Jim Saunas joins the show up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The Jim Saunas Sandlot Slate, the alliteration you need on your Friday, live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid. I am Ben Stevens, and that is FanDuel and number fires Jim Sonis, here to break down Major League Baseball and set you up for the weekend in a Friday night slate as well. Jim, thank you so much. Think of it like this. You can either CYA or you can CYO, as in cover your eyes, because if you don't CYO, you're going to overall we got nascar and sonoma we got some formula one going on at baku so like i'm in a good mood ben happy to be here jim i am very glad that you are in a good mood it's a feel-good friday here we'll try to do the same as we break down a little mlb and jim finally when all else seems lost when your hope is as slim as it's ever been you turn to shohei otani to end a 14 game losing skid And that's what the Angels did yesterday. Shohei, seven innings of great pitching on the bump and adding a two-run blast that gave the Halos the lead for good, ending that 14-game losing skid. But, Jim, in the American League West, the Astros still have a nine-game lead over the Angels, who, despite losing 14 straight games, are somehow in second place in the AL West. That's why you see a minus 700 price are the Astros running away with this division can anybody Jim possibly catch Houston yeah I think if you gave me like a head-to-head the rest of the way like a a matchup between the Astros and the Angels what their record would be the rest of the way I could see the Angels outperforming them so I could see a situation where they do cut down this lead because I have a lot of faith in this team as we discussed like two weeks ago right before they started that skit I'm pretty sure we ruined them potentially the issue is that the pitching has gotten tough for the Angels. That's kind of a rough spot there. The offense has definitely taken a step back. So although the building blocks for what we discussed with the Angels a couple weeks ago are still there, the, the things, you know, a deeper offense, stuff like that, those things are still in place. I don't have as much faith in this rotation. There are a lot of guys in this rotation who, like from a DFS perspective, I want to stack against and stuff like that. So mm. I think that they are probably from a real talent perspective – Pretty close to the Astros, but are they good enough to make up a nine-game deficit? Probably not. So I'm okay sitting at the Angels markets right now just because that nine games still matters. There's not a ton of time left overall. I know it's a long season, but it's not a ton of time left to make up that much ground. And I think the Astros are probably at least slightly better, which makes it even tougher to dig your way out of such a big hole. 
Some have said, Jim, on this show, and pun now very much intended, an astronomical lead in the American League West with that nine-game advantage over the Angels. And it seemed, though, Jim, after a 24-13 and 13 start through the middle part of May, that this would be the year that everybody in Major League Baseball would rejoice. Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, back into the postseason. The Angels still three games below 500 at 28-31, and 31, despite snapping that 14-game skid yesterday. So the Astros continue to have success. A good pitching matchup today, Jim, between Houston and Miami. Now, the Marlins might not be a playoff team. They might not even be above 500 by the time we get done with this Major League Baseball season. But they have two of the best pitchers in the National League. Sandy Alcantara is now the favorite to win the National League Cy Young, and Pablo Lopez starts for the Finns today. What do you expect, Jim, out of Pablo Lopez against this good Astros lineup on this Friday? I expect him to pitch really well, and I think that uh, looking at the strikeout prop number here for Lopez, I do see value in the over. It's a four and a half. It's down to minus 122 over at FanDuel Sportsbook. So you have seen some movements and people being on Lopez. I do still think minus 122 is a good number. I will say, though, might be a good spot to hold off, uh, see what number you can get elsewhere, just to kind of, you know, just play things and see if uh, you can get a a better number elsewhere because it has moved quite a bit. But Lopez so far this year, across 11 starts, a 3.30 skill interactive ERA, 26% strikeout rate. His batted ball numbers have been tremendous. This is not just a a situation where he does well at home. You do see that sometimes with Marlins pitchers where they'll be much better at home than they are on the road. With Lopez, he's done this pretty much wherever they've been. So their money line for today is plus 134. I don't see a ton of value there. I think that there is a bit uh, because I have uh, their win odds for today at 47%. The implied odds there, 42%. You could potentially take a swing at their money line there if you don't want to go with Lopez over four and a half strikeouts and minus 122. But overall, I think that when you have a pitcher as good as him, and obviously Luis Garcia is very good too, but a pitcher as good as Lopez will keep you in every game. The Marlins offense, I still think is being underrated. So I think they're pretty competitive and Lopez is a big part of that for today specifically. Sandy Alcantara, as we mentioned, the favorite now in the National League Cy Young race at plus 400 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Pablo Lopez, the fourth best price at 12 to 1. Jim, you see some of these big names here. Corbin Burns, Joe Musgrove, just a dollar and a half behind Alcantara as well. How do you evaluate the National League Cy Young market right now? Yeah, I think it's a it's a tough one for me to get super enthused about because I feel like the prices are pretty appropriate on a lot of those options. I think the one guy who's being underrated for looking at like just skill potentially would be Lopez, but are we going to see a cannibalization here? You know, we saw this, we've seen this in the past, mm-hmm. like MVP voting where to, you know, A-Rod and Derek Jeter pulling away from each other, allowing Justin Morneau to win the MVP stuff like that. We've seen this in the past. Maybe if people are like, okay, I can overlook the Marlins record. I'll vote for a Marlins pitcher. I, I have more faith in Alcantara continuing his dominance. Than I do with Lopez. So when I look at that market, I'm okay sitting it out. I, I feel like it's it's pretty appropriately priced for right now, especially because I'm not really sure where I'd go even if I thought there were value in this spot. I'm not taking a long shot on Bueller, not going towards Gallon, stuff like that. I feel like it's pretty appropriate. So to me, I think it's, it's a no-value spot where I'd rather just buy any of these guys for individual starts versus in the futures market. Two guys not on that National League Cy Young market, or at least not near the top of the board. Max Scherzer, Jacob DeGrom. This was the time, Jim, as the Mets go out on their West Coast road trip to start off the month of June. The litmus test 
for New York. Not bad through the start of it. They lost the first two against the Dodgers, rattled off two straight to end out that series, and then took the opener against the Padres, but then were blown out in the final two games in San Diego. That West Coast trip continues for the Amazons, now in Anaheim against the Angels, who just snapped that 14-game losing skid. As this West Coast road trip continues for New York, Jim, what have you seen out of the Mets that makes you feel either confident or maybe leaving something to be desired about this team overall? Well, I think the hitting has been very good still. I think that, that if you're looking for something to be enthusiastic about with this team, it would be the offense being solid. I think they're a team that can do well against both righties and lefties. Uh, we're seeing some of their their non-stars start to get better. Eduardo Escobar is playing better baseball now than he had been previously, and that's a big thing because you can't lean on just a couple of guys and go deep in the playoffs. So I think that we've seen some good performances from their pitching I, or from their hitting. I'd assume the pitching will start to get healthier you know, Chris Bass has been pretty funky recently, but long term, I'd still expect him to be closer to what he was at the start of the year than what he's been his past couple of starts. I do get Tyler McGill back tonight. I'm not expecting a full outing from McGill, probably closer to around 70 or so pitches, but that's enough uh, for a guy who has been really good when he's been healthy so far this year. And like I said, the Angels rotation is not in a good place right now. Michael Lorenzen will start Saturday. He's been fine, but like for the most part, they're really struggling there. So I'd expect a lot of offense in the Mets this weekend. It could start uh, with this game today facing Jonathan Diaz, most likely. I think that's a nice spot for them. So the offense, I think, is the most encouraging thing. Like you said, you know, it hasn't been the best road trip by any means. But I do think it's a positive that the, the offense has continued to look pretty good for the most part. Eight and a half tonight, the total for the Angels and the Mets with the over having the juice at minus 120. Good injury news, at least for the Mets. Pete Alonso, Starling Marte leaving a couple of those games against the Padres doesn't seem to be anything too serious right now. The Mets were hoping to face their former teammate in Noah Syndergaard this weekend in Anaheim, but that will not happen. They start getting pushed back for the man known as Thor. So the Mets, Jim, still a minus 340 favorite to win the National League East. The best odds to win any division in the NL and still a six and a half game lead over the Braves, a nine game advantage over the Phillies. But Atlanta has won eight straight. Philadelphia has won seven straight. Is the National League East starting to figure it out a little bit? I think so. Um, I think the Phillies, it's kind of just like regression. They couldn't be as bad as they were for the entire season. So I think that's kind of just like bouncing back to their actual talent level. I don't think it's a Girardi thing getting fired. I don't think it's anything like that. I think it's just like they were due to regress and they're doing that right now. As far as the Braves go, I think there actually is potentially some reason for some enthusiasm there. I think that uh, with Ronald Acuna looking healthier now than he had been previously, that's a good thing for them as well. Guys like, again, the depth piece is starting to hit the ball better. Uh, Ozzy Albies starting to hit more power recently. Adam Duvall hitting more power recently. William Contreras still being a sicko at the plate. That's a good thing. So I would say the Braves are going to make it interesting. I don't know if they will necessarily catch the Mets because, like I said, I do still like this Mets team as a whole. And they should get healthier. But I think the Braves will be a competitive team, and I'm upping my view of them a pretty decent amount with the way they've played. So I would say to me right now, the Braves are the most interesting team and the most team, the team most likely to make this fun. I'm not biting at plus 350, but keeping an eye on them because if we continue to see good good starts out of guys like Spencer Strider and stuff like that, then there is potential for that team to make a run. 
continues to be a sicko at the plate. I love the phrasing there, Jim Sonis, as we continue to dive through the National League. Now, you said when we looked at the NL Cy Young odds, not a lot to be excited by from a price perspective. Is there something in the National League MVP market with Mookie Betts as the favorite right now that catches your eye? Yeah, I think that Bryce Harper is interesting. I know that we have that that elbow issue, but he's been really good playing through that mm-hmm. throughout this year. So I do think plus 950 is probably a, a pretty long number for a guy who, despite the fact he probably won't play the outfield for a bit, still, I, when he's out there, he's still been really good. And you can kind of build this narrative too. Like if the Phillies do make a run, Harper's almost guaranteed to be high up there in the MVP voting. So plus 950 is not a bad number for Bryce Harper. I'm not willing to bet it myself, but like I think that he's at least, he would be on my radar just because you can find the narrative, you can see the situation that lines up well, and the Phillies are still a good team. So I'd expect them to finish better than they've been so far. Uh, I think that he'd be the guy who would catch my interest most. We saw that last year when Philly made a run after the All-Star break. At the time of the Midsummer Classic, Bryce Harper was 30-1. to 1, Started to catch fire early on in late July and then in early August. That number got slashed. And, of course, Bryce Harper winning the National League MVP a season ago. All right, let's get to the rest of the Saunas Sandlot slate. Truly a tongue twister. You got to take your time with that one. We already know Pablo Lopez looking over of his strikeout prop if we can find a good price. What else is on the slate today, Jim? Yeah, I'm actually going to the home run prop, which I don't usually do, but I like Cedric Mullins to go deep for today. He is now plus 540. It was plus 570 earlier, so people seem to be on Mullins for today, but hitting the ball hard the past couple of weeks, facing a right, he gets up a lot of fly balls, a lot of hard contact, and I know the homers have not been there for Mullins so far this year, but the batted ball numbers have, so I'd expect the dingers to come soon. And I would not be shocked if that happens tonight. The other one I like outside of Lopez is Spencer Strider under six and a half strikeouts at minus 132. I'm just not convinced they let him go super deep in games yet. Just 19 batters faced in each of his first two starts in the rotation. I've got him projected for 90 pitches, which would be a season high. Despite that, I have his under odds being pretty high. Very good matchup at home, facing the Pirates. It's more about length, and seven strikeouts is a lot. So I'm going to take the under on Strider at six and a half at minus 132. I think it's a great handicap and a great way to look at a strikeout prop. Not just how much a team strikes out, but all of the circumstances that go into it. Jim Saunas of Number Fire and FanDuel. The Saunas Sandlot Slate heading into your weekend. Jim, have a great weekend, and thank you for joining us. Appreciate it, Ben. Thank you. Our number one of the morning after comes to a close. Up next on the other side of the break here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Right back here on the morning after live on a Friday on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. We close out our number one with a focus on the NBA Finals. Game number four tonight inside TD Garden. Back in Boston, Massachusetts, where the Celtics have a 2-1 series lead over the Golden State Warriors. Tonight, Boston is a four-point favorite as that line currently stands. 
on the FanDuel Sportsbook, an over-under of 214. The Dubs so far this postseason, a perfect 5-0 straight up, 4-1 against the spread following a loss. But in those previous five games, the Warriors booked as a favorite, but a perfect 5-0 straight up. So we're at 2-1 right now after three games. How many more will we see beyond game number four tonight? Let's find out together in Fade the Public. That was the question for you wonderful public people out there at SportsGrid TV on Twitter. The Celtics lead the NBA Finals 2-1, a minus 230 series outright favorite. How many games will this series go? Five, which we are guaranteed. Six or seven. Right now, most of the public, but barely just barely, a very close edge around 48% saying six games. About 45.5% saying we're going to see the distance here all seven games of this NBA championship series. The public very close in their vo voting to the prices and the odds that we see in the series total games market on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Six games is the shortest outcome, the most likely odds that we have at plus 125, but seven games is only 25 cents behind that number at plus 150. A very close edge in the odds, a very close edge in our fade the public poll. However, for Boston to win in six, the most likely outcome in our series correct score market, that's plus 195. The second shortest price, Boston in five at plus 280. That would need a win tonight in game number four. We're back for hour number two, up next here on the morning after. 